0: Hi, this is Scott Porch. I write about the TV business, and I'm a podcast producer for Starburns Audio and Himalaya Media. The Long Night, episode three of the final season of Game of Thrones, just ended. Uh, I have Westeros Weekly host Philip Molina for a snap
1: reaction. Philip, how's the blue eyes? Oh, man. I, uh... I sorry, I I wasn't listening to anything you just said. I am still <laughs> reeling from from all of this. I mean, literally, I had to have my mouth closed for me multiple times
0: tonight. Well, the obligatory warning: uh, this discussion uh, is full of spoilers uh, from. Tonight's episode three, I guess, let me I guess jump right to some of the Night of the Living Dead stuff. I thought that the the eyes popping open um, blue was one of my favorite visuals. I mean, you had the war movie and then you had the horror movie and the, the horror movie seemed to have the popping visuals to me. <laughs>
1: Well, it's definitely taking inspiration from, we talked about actually on on last week's uh, episode, uh, how we expected it to kind of have a vibe of literally the original Night of the Living Dead film, which is all about protecting the house and going deeper and deeper into the house. Uh, and also has you know some real sad messed up stuff going on uh, in, in Romero's movie, and this definitely was making a lot of nods to that. I think that you kind of might be right though. Specifically, the idea of the blue eyes popping open is maybe one of the few uh, improvements you could you could make, where it just has this this spooky other world. Uh, uh, element that that it's it normally uh, the the undead uh, you know or the dead they do a glossed overlook that's what The Walking Dead does and to use that shocking blue color to me says they're just as violently passionately dead as they were alive yeah, you know what I mean by that exactly just as much energy behind here in the inverse direction almost like how you can see it very literally uh, in Viserion's blue fire
0: well and one thing I th- I think we didn't really know um, about them before the aria scene uh kind of the horror movie scene or the suspense movie uh scene where she's trying to avoid them and they're uh you know walking through uh, the different parts of the room is they don't seem to have a lot of agency they don't they don't seem to really be able to think uh for themselves and and they they just kind of go to where the noise is
1: like kind of like uh the the a drone of the borg is what i what it reminds me of of just like you know they they stand there kind of milling a about until they get something from the hive mind uh that is the night king
0: yeah or the walking dead even where they just don't think they just go to where the noise or where the blood is
1: yeah well there's just that moment where he gives them a, a small a small mission to create a little bit of a bridge over the fire uh in the trenches and so suddenly they all have a little plan but clearly they all just are following his orders like uh like worker bees
0: and it seemed to cost him in the end because there, were, they, there was no strategic ability for them to do anything other than what the Night King did, and he left himself a blind spot, and it cost him.
1: Well, it's always right how the how the uh, the most powerful figure goes down as they underestimate the opponents and they kind of let their guard down uh, or expose their lower belly as he did. Uh, but actually, though, I think that yeah, you know, I, I already saw. So we're we're I'm already putting together tomorrow's Westeros Weekly. We're we're uh, working hard on it, and I'm seeing some people that are calling out this idea that. Uh, they're very frustrated that well, his generals should have should have stopped Arya long before he she got to him or all, all these other things, and it's like you guys are are not realizing that what Melisandre's point was, and what really what the point of this entire episode was, is these destinies being fulfilled. Everything that Arya has studied has set her up to be the exact only person that could save the day right there. She's a freaking ninja right she is the only person that could sneak into this whole area come in out of nowhere pull off the you know hand off dagger move which we actually saw before uh, in her training with Brian uh, a-, a ways back uh this is exactly the only person that could sneak past and do it. So even if he did let his guard down, only Arya could have taken advantage of that.
0: Well, Melisandre was one of the big questions I had for you tonight. In fact, in but probably halfway through the episode, my question was, what was the point of Melisandre? Because the fire thing at the beginning didn't seem to work. But I, th- I think in retrospect of the episode, maybe it was to to prompt Arya to action. Is that what you took away?
1: uh that certainly was one of her her roles uh, funny enough we're watching this right after uh, you know Avengers Endgame and dealing with that and without spoiling that there is certainly a, a moment there where we can see that some, one character is revealing Everything that it had that I've you know I've seen or, or ha- about this plan is really about this one moment that I'm trying to create for this one opening and Melisandra kind of served that uh, role too. Uh, in it's funny and the other the other character that I'm referencing is also a bit of a magical figure. Uh, but here I think it's not just Melisandra. If you think about it, it's Beric Dondarrion, right? She's pointing out that he's been brought back brought back all these times, so he could be right there in this moment. Uh, I think it's not so much exactly like. And then everyone is going to do just the right thing at just the right moment, like Arya did. I think it's also literally just buying time sometimes, right? Beric Dondarrion's uh, most heroic uh, thing he does in this episode is kind of block the path just for just long enough, kind of holding the door kind of imagery there of just being taking up taking a bunch of stabbings, honestly just to give Arya long enough to get away. Uh, and then Melisandre kind of doing the same thing. She was able to slow down uh, the the uh, charge for just long enough where all of the other events could come into play. But, I mean, if, you, if we can keep following this back in every direction, right? Uh, Bran some people are wondering well what's the point of brand being so powerful if he he didn't really play a role here and it's got to remember Bran's the one that gave aria the cat's paw dagger which is a valyrian steel dagger it's the only weapon that would have been able to do that to the night king everyone played their roles even if it seemed insignificant or also if it was just about buying time and i think that's why Melisandra dies at the end i think she literally we're going to look back at this actually in these in uh, some of our videos and uh, podcasts this week of all the moves she made made over the entire series and just seeing how each thing was just part of her fulfilling a larger ultimate destiny and that's why you know we think about Beric Dondarrion living a long time uh take a look at Melisandre's other necklace like this woman has been kept alive a very long time just to be able to pull this off
0: Oh right, that's right. She was actually like this ugly old lady, and the necklace made made her young. And that's
1: uh, you made that judgment about her appearance. (laughs) I did not say that. Uh, You know, uh, oh, but we're all saying
0: "fat Thor" all weekend long. Fat Thor.
1: (laughs) That's a ph. (laughs) <laughs>
0: um we know from episode two that bran understood the night king's motivation were there any things in the episode that you think made clearer to the viewer what the night king's motivations were
1: no <laughs> uh i don't i don't really think so i think I. Uh, it it really we really needed to. A lot of people kind of brushed past last week's uh, speech by Sam and uh, and Brand there. They, they really tried to make it clear what was behind what the Night King was trying to do. Uh, I don't think that means that we won't hear any more about it. And also, we have a whole prequel series that's potentially going to lead to uh, the first Long Night, uh, not this one, and maybe that'll help uh, clarify some stuff. But honestly, I think it's one of the few things that isn't fully answered is, sure, we get what he wanted then, but it still is a little bit of, why did he want it? Uh, and, you know, I mean, it could be like me. I like my air conditioning kept at 68 degrees. Maybe it's as persnickety as that, but I, I don't know. Uh, there were some big deaths in the series, maybe
0: not as many as a lot of people would have expected. There there were some maybe ambiguities at the end. Is, is Brienne alive? Is Tormund alive?
1: Hell yes. (laughs) If you're you're not going to wipe out one of these characters (laughs) without uh, uh, giving them a big old fancy death scene, the only one that I'll give you that I think could be dead and and was not made clear, and it's breaking my heart just considering it, is Rhaegal the dragon. Well, that was my next question,
0: is are we down to one dragon or two? And which one is the dragon that we think
1: came down there at the end? Uh, well just based on the way that he he you know surrounded uh daenerys i mean it was uh really dark i think everyone saw that uh you know everyone was a- adjusting their um their brightness settings uh this week uh but i'm pretty sure that was drogon that did did wrap up around uh daenerys there though drogon did take a lot of hits um i mean i'm already on my my rewatch of the episode so i'll see there uh but i do think that my fingers are still crossed about Rhaegal. i think i spotted him in the preview for next week um, so, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see. I'm hoping there's still two dragons in play, uh, even if not uh, Viserion, who got really cool looking with that face opening. He had the second face opening.
0: Yeah. the yeah. I mean, this season is now going to bifurcate pretty cleanly into the, the episodes up to and through the Battle of Winterfell and then whatever is going to happen across the last three. I, I'm going to assume when... Benioff and Weiss wrote it this way. They were very aware of not making the last 3 episodes anticlimactic. How do you think they approached
1: that? Right. So we we actually kind of predicted that even though we we were like it's going to sound crazy, but we think that, you know, at the midpoint of the season we might defeat the Night King. And the only reason that that we were thinking that is we knew that's where the last stand was going to happen and we also knew uh that george r R. martin who is not involved in the plotting of this stage of the series but obviously has been consulted a lot he's always made it a big point of saying that he wants the show the show and the story to always be about the politics of westeros and this certainly i mean it's it's almost it it makes sense they didn't call this episode the battle of winterfell because battles are something done between kingdoms uh this was just like a slaughter right uh so it doesn't make sense to me that it would be about the politics any any longer uh like, if this had been drawn out all the way through the end of the series, then we would never really come to care again about who sits on the Iron Throne. I think they've got their work cut out for them, but I know that, you know, I mean, look how long it took them to make this season. Uh, I've got my fingers crossed, but also, you know, they've earned the the trust. I think that they're going to surprise us with some last-minute twists and some, you know, Cersei wasn't even here this episode, so maybe she was doing a lot of plotting on her own, you know?
0: I mean, Bran was warging through most of this episode uh, do, do and it's not clear w- what he was doing do do you think he was sending a raven to King's landing to start planning for the next phase
1: you know i d- I don't think that uh just because I mean they've shown it before that that brand just kind of gets lost in there it's, it's kind of like any teen boy just goes out and starts warring off whenever he wants uh, mm, it's just like <laughs> yeah that was that was uh, that was rough. No, it wasn't. I, I don't know what you're referencing. <laughs> My point is that is that he just does it like just to do it sometimes, just to like maybe get a better view on things. Uh which is fair, right? He has a view on the battle from up there, but if he's just sitting there, uh then you know, he all oh, he's just he's just literally just waiting to be killed. Uh I don't I don't think he, he had some like last minute message that he would only wait till the last second to send. Uh, I think it's just one of these things where it looks cooler for the actor to sit there with his eyes all white the whole time.
0: <laughs> we had a couple of good uh, one-on-one scenes, or several uh, good one-on-one scenes. Um, um, you know, you had Arya and uh, the Hound with a you know watching each other's uh, backs a couple of times. Uh, were there any other particular of the of the one-on-ones that you noticed?
1: They definitely tried to have, you know, the moments between Dolores Ed and Sam uh, kind of like paired off. A lot of people uh, had their their appropriate pairings. And then Brienne obviously had the fantastic moment with Jamie where we kind of saw them fighting in silhouette, which was great. Um, but I think really the, the one that probably stands out is the just uh final uh, right there at the end uh where daenerys is being protected uh one last time by jorah mormont uh and i think that's just another example by the way of everyone kind of fulfilling their purpose his wasn't even this magical uh destiny that was prophesied uh prophesized it's just that's the thing he was made for and he went out doing it and i think they made sure to put every you know those two together at the end there. So what's the plan for the week? You're going to
0: have the big question uh Westeros weekly episode on Monday, breakdown on Tuesday or Wednesday?
1: Something like that. Yeah, we're we're working our asses off honestly. We are also doing our breakdowns of Avengers Endgame uh, at the same time uh we're we're pulling all-nighters where you're gonna see me tomorrow on westeros <laughs> weekly and i'm probably gonna be pretty loopy uh but uh our big question that we're headed toward we're actually i haven't even picked yet normally i am it'll pick by now too but i uh, i know that i'm really intrigued by two things uh one we're wondering uh what's the status of winter right like is it fair to say winter has gone now, right? It can't be oh, that's right? interesting. Uh, you know, are we still, is winter done now? And then also, uh, what does this mean about Arya? And is there something to be said about the, in the Azor High prophecy? Um, and, you know, it are considering how many followers of the Lord of Light were put in place uh, to set Arya up to make the moves that she did, uh, and the Azor High prophecy is from within that religion, is it pointing at her being that and we kind of have some theories on that that we're going to get into
0: because there's the idea that the prince who was promised that the word prince doesn't translate as gendered, right
1: right Hmm. yeah it's very progressive prophecy
0: one thing i'm really hoping to see and i'm uh, i'm actually trying not to over invest in this outcome is that with sort of politics globally and what's happening in the in the country right now that that someone breaks the wheel, you know, that we get some hint toward, you know, self rule in the North or some sort of democratic type reform. Is it too much to hope that the writers are, are, are looking at that the same way I am?
1: Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know, we, we see Arya running for a house seat and changing things up. I, I think that's all part of a little too much of a leap in, in my opinion, uh, just because we're not talking about, you know, the, the road to democracy, uh, so much as, if anything, we'd maybe be, be talking about an oligarchy or, or something, but, n- but not quite, uh, I'm not quite ready to see democracy in this world, uh, but breaking the wheel, um, it, to me, it kind of sounds like just shaking up Westeros. One thing that I'll give you is, uh, we haven't had, in, it's, it happened, but we haven't had in this, these modern days of Westeros, just, a um, you know, husband and wife rolling team. Uh that alone is, you know, the two minds of that uh what would that be? Like a, a bicratic uh society of some sort. Uh uh or di I don't know. But my point is that alone is already pretty progressive for them. I think that that could be breaking the wheel for all we know.
0: It'll be just like Bill and Hillary all over
1: again. Uh, uh that was rough. <laughs> <laughs> all right well get some sleep and uh not happening nope <laughs> looking forward
0: to uh you got to get some sleep you got to conserve a little because you've got three more of these to go i mean this we're we're only halfway through the season we we only
1: have three of these left to go and then i'll sleep all and right then i can finally rest